Two peas, Two and, peas a and a bong. Two peas and a bong. Two peas, Two and, peas a bong. and a bong. Two peas and a bong. y'all two peas in a bong in the building again it's your boy dp it's your boy kp and ubong all right (laughs) (laughs) oh i mean hey (laughs) (laughs) all right so um if i ask y'all like what's in the name or what's in a label just that name or label could go so deep and you could just say that one thing and everybody knows exactly what you're talking about so if i say 12, 5 Pigs, The Fuzz, Jakes, One Time. What am I talking about? Police. The Johnnies. The Johnnies. There's <laughs> another one. So many, so many different ways, so many different things. You can say all those and they'll hit and people will know what you're talking about. So we've talked about just law enforcement and police in the interaction with the black community more than once on this podcast mm-hmm. um it's been a subject that we've touched on you know here and there with different episodes um we even talked about law enforcement going back to the times of slavery and when back in those times you would have a group of white folks who were gathered together to do what catch runaway slaves right mm-hmm. so then when we have uh, the, the 13th Amendment passed or well, ratified in December, December 6, 1865, to be exact. It says neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except as a punishment for crime, whereof the party shall have been duly convicted, shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. I want to point to a specific part of that, except as a punishment for for crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted that except is that loophole that we've touched on a couple times where we say hey you abolish slavery but guess what you're able to go ahead and enact that once again with this except for part so what comes into play with the except for is the Jim Crow laws. And this is a this is obviously a build up to what we're going to speak about today, but I'm getting there. So bear with me. So Jim Crow. Right. So we have the Jim Crow laws where now those are state and local laws and jurisdictions that are enforced for people on the state and local level. So so the Jim so the Jim Crow laws basically are ways to get people arrested by the police, punished by the police, yet another way to punish black folks, marginalize black folks. We'll go into more details about that later on. But so you go from where the police are catching runaway slaves, then you go to the abolishment of slavery. Okay, slavery's now abolished. Now we're catching folks for 
breaking the law and going against these Jim Crow laws, finding ways to imprison and enslave anyway. Mm-hmm. So going back to those times, we already see this relationship between the police and the black community. Mm-hmm. It Does it sound like it's a protect and serve situation? Not mm-hmm. really. <laughs> not at all, in fact. It's not even not really, not at all. So you have all of these ideas about the police all of these names for the police this is even spilled out in songs you had ice tea with cop killer you had I could, I could just start saying certain lyrics from songs uh your laws are minimal because you won't even think about looking at the real criminal this has got to cease because we be getting hyped to the sound of the police krs one sound of the police don't die by Killer Mike. He says, I'll be an outlaw before I ever behave and die a free man before I live like a slave. Nothing changes if they catch me today. Fuck the police is still all I got to say. Then you had NWA who just straight out said, fuck the police. Okay. (laughs) So we got all, again, all of these meanings, all of these labels. Now we got these lyrics. All of these things are telling you something about the vibe and the feel and the aura that surrounds the police and specifically the relationship between the police and the black community. So you've got this buildup to where we eventually get to the point of fuck the police. If we look at the social unrest in the current day right now with everything that's surrounding, you know, we had the episode about Ahmaud Arbery. We had the episode about George Floyd. And we can keep going and naming all kinds of folks. Yeah. The list is long. Now, we come to this situation where you're hearing the call for defund the police. Now, we're talking about meaning here. We're talking about what things mean. What what's, what's behind the relationship between the police and the black community? What's behind those lyrics that I just mentioned in those songs? What's the meaning of the damn constitution itself? What the fuck do you mean except for blah, blah, blah? What is the meaning of all of this? But today, let's focus on what is the meaning of defund the police? Fellas, holla at me. That was a hell of an intro, man. Let me just start by saying that. Damn. <laughs> um... So defunding the police, each year they are allocated a certain amount of funds through taxpayers, and those funds help with salaries, help with weapons, help with many different things, you know, within the station. By defunding them, you would be taking taxpayer money and redistributing it to the community. Now, that can happen in a variety of different ways. It can go to social services housing, youth services, mental health, education, public health, fighting for uh, fighting poverty, mental illness, and homelessness. These are just some of the ways that the funds can be redistributed. Um, my only concern with the redistribution of funds is that the money will not be properly put into the black community to help the people of that community. That 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 that's my only concern about it is that it's just another loophole to funnel the money in a different direction to continuously help the majority of the population. So I would 
my my only pushback on that last statement is if you're reallocating funds, right? Mm-hmm. Then the reallocation of funds should be based on the areas that require the funds, right? So mm-hmm. uh, you're saying that we're defunding the police. So first, let's just get rid of the, the misconception of defunding the police is one of the biggest misconceptions, I think, of defunding the police is we're getting rid of the police. No, you yeah. can you can go back to I think it was maybe our last episode. No, no, the second to last episode um, where I said that we still need law and order like mm-hmm. we can we cannot have society basically running wild um, and being unchecked. Right. If there's a crime that's being committed, the police are there to apprehend crime, you know, people that commit crime, whatever, whatever. So society needs police. We'll never say that we don't need police. There is undoubtedly going to be somebody that if if there were no police would see an advantage and take advantage of a situation. So to anybody that believes that defunding the police means getting rid of the police force, that is not true. So let's put that out there first. I am not a proponent of getting rid of the police department. But like Kevin said, reallocating funds is something that I am a huge fan of. I'm a huge fan of reallocating the funds to put them in places that will um, help areas that that need the help that often get policed the wrong way. The the marginalized communities. Yes. Correct. So when Kev says that he thinks it's a loophole, well, I don't see that because a majority of the issues that are being had are being, you know, they're coming from the impoverished, the impoverished areas. If you, if you're saying that, Hey, 70, and this is just me putting out a, a, just a, you know, these are not facts, but if you're saying that 75% of, of dangerous crimes or violent crimes come from, you know, um, impoverished communities, then reallocating, you know, X amount of funds, but putting 80% of it into, you know, into well-off communities doesn't make sense. The numbers have to add up. So if the, the, if the, the call to defund the police is so that we can reinvest in areas that um, don't need to be handled by a police officer with a gun, then we have to use that money in those areas that have, you know, the high risk areas, right? What what you guys are actually saying, though, both of you guys, what you're referring to is a divestment. There's essentially what what people are calling for. The reallocation is a is a divestment. So that's where you're whether it be, you know, whatever political, social, whatever your cause is, you're pulling money out of a certain place to have it reallocated in other places. So there's a that's another word that's being thrown out in the mix where you're talking about uh, divest. You're talking about uh, reallocation, defund, disband. All these things are being thrown around. But, you know, we're trying to clearly, you know, show what 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 does all of this mean? Yeah. Okay. So I, I want to jump back in with uh, what I meant by, and I it just expound on what I meant by um, just the loophole. So one of the um, one of the ways that you can reinvest in the community is was through social services. So with social services, um, 
you know, this is this can be a situation. And I'm looking at it as a situation like, let's say that there's some alleged abuse going on in a home. Um, within the, you know, within the black community they're you know, so they're taking children out of the home or they're investigating more homes in the black community to take children, to displace children from their families. And they use it under the guise of, you know, social services that we're, we're, we're doing these children a favor. We're doing these families a favor. So it's less policing, you know, with the police, but more policing in the area of social services. Um, another example would be in the, the investing in education. Investing in education sounds like a great thing. However, there have been many situations in public schools where little black boys are misdiagnosed and they're, they're diagnosed with, with ADHD um, because it's something that you can't medically prove. It's it's ba- it's public opinion. So now you get more funds for education and you're saying that all these black kids have ADHD and you're finding a way to put them in special needs and you're not properly educating them. But you're getting those funds and you're bringing in more teachers and you're paying more teachers to basically babysit under the guise of education um, with these young with these young uh black males if you could just clarify your first the first part you said the the social services example you gave are mm-hmm. you saying that okay so the funds are now taken and they're invested into social services yes yeah i'm saying if they if you take the funds and you invest them into social services so you're saying you know we want to make sure that that children are being treated right in the homes okay so but yeah so so then you're policing the homes that much more and looking for more reason to disenfranchise families so that so you're saying looking for more reasons to dis- disenfranchise them so you're saying yes. it's still a negative thing yes okay it, it can, can i can yeah. i ask you this though when you say defund divest mm-hmm. Yes. reallocate you're taking the money away where where would you suggest it be placed because you would want to i think invest the money in some sort of an organization or somewhere that's going to uh basically um fight against the reasons why you would need to have police come to your community in the first place you know what i, I mean like, if there's mental yeah. illness or there's problems or there's whatever these issues are there's drug abuse and stuff like that you would want to have organizations that fight against all of those things and these marginalized communities that would get that would give less of a reason for a dysfunctional police force to come police whatever you want to say that means police your community right i mean so if if you agree with all those things that yeah it needs to be reinvested where though where would you where would you put it because it sounds to me like you're like well social services you you have a problem with as well what do you what do we do so what i would say is this you there needs to be something for there needs to be something for children after school to keep them like just as a safe haven so if you if if you Invest it and have an after school program to where children are in various activities, then that's a great way to do it. Um, Youth sports amongst the community to invest like that, where, you know, you have situations where children are, are, are playing football, basketball, baseball, and then you have a you can invest in the cheerleading. Little girls like to do cheerleading. You can do um, 
a, a, a band. Um, the, the other thing is like drill team, um, doing the drill team where children are playing instruments and, um, you know, the girls are doing things like the marching band. These, these are all ways that you can continuously, um, redirect the funds to help the community. Uh, another way is just like some kind of, um, nutrition program that takes place after school. Now, generally children eat before school. They eat, um, so they eat breakfast at school. They'll eat lunch at school. But having some kind of pastime, because a lot of these communities are poverty stricken, so children aren't getting meals at night. So coming up with a way to make sure that children are eating at night. And so those are ways that I'm looking at ways to to redistribute the funds. I would say there's a hundred thousand ways you can redistribute the funds and they can be productive for both children and adults. Right. Mm -hmm. But the the biggest it still goes back to the biggest concern. Uh, if you listen to our show, then you know by now that uh, Kev is a conspiracy theorist. Um, that you know they robbing Peter to pay Paul, taking they taking the money away from the police to give it to somebody else that that works with the police, right? That, that, yeah. that exactly. Yeah. So taking it from um, Jake to give it to Johnny. Yeah, exactly. So, but the biggest issue still remains that the police by many of their own admission are tasked with doing things that they are not equipped to do. Right. So um, I was, I was reading a, a little study um, and it said that according to, according to some estimates, law enforcement spends 21% of its time responding to and transporting people with mental health issues. So 21, so a, a, a 20, 21, a, a fifth of your time is spent Responding to and transporting people with mental health issues. That's crazy. And Kevin, okay. you, you had an encounter with something like that, right? I mean, you you worked in that field and you had an officer tell you something like that exactly. I did. The the dangerous thing though about what you're saying, Ubong, is that it turns into we have to invest in our police officers and we have to train them. No, 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 no. That's what we are not doing that anymore. That's not working. Okay, yeah, because that's what I'm saying. They have been investing in the police. Yeah. They invest more and more in the training, and it's not doing anything. It hasn't yielded the results, right? So why are we spending more money on police instead of spending that money on social workers, spending that money on education, Right. Spending that money on you, 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 you name the list of things um, that you could spend the money on, mm -hmm. but and doing it within our communities. So if you're investing in these things, so public safety, community support, social services, youth services, housing, education, health care. Right. And if you're doing that in these communities, in our communities, it would help better. It would be a better deterrent in crime. OK, so check this out. This is uh, this is from the Washington Post. It said that L.A.'s proposed police budget for 2021. Right. And um, fiscal year. And I believe it's for state and, you know, that city of Los Angeles falls within that started July 1st. So fiscal year runs July to June in the state of California. So the proposed budget, proposed police budget for Los Angeles was $1.8 billion, wow. more than half of the city's total spending for the year. 
Okay, so more than half of the budget went to policing. It, it was uh, the proposed budget for this fiscal year went to police. Hmm. Check this out. If y'all really want to hear some funny shit, New York City's annual police budget, and this is coming from the Washington Post, and I'm gonna use the words that it used, is a whopping. <laughs> is a whopping. That's the word they used. Six billion dollars. Mm. Hold on, not done. Which is more than the city spends on health, homeless services, youth development, and workforce development combined. And you wonder why people are asking to defund the police. Right. You wonder why crime is still high and they can't get it under control. Again, again, remember what I said. The police are being tasked with doing things that they are not trained to do. So um, I told you earlier that According to estimates, uh, law enforcement spends 21% of its time responding responding to and transporting people with mental health issues, right? In 2015, the Washington Post found that one in four people killed by police suffered from a serious mental illness at the time of their death. Wow. Right. That's crazy. That is crazy. And Uban, if you just if you just take that snapshot and stop right there and you ask, well, how does what we're talking about relate to that? And, and Kevin, you were saying examples of where to, you know, alloc- reallocate funds and stuff like that. Uban threw a few out there, too. If you look at the statistics, they have a log of statistics. They have, you know, they have simple data that they can pull from to say this happens in this area this frequently. So you should allocate these resources to this particular community to fight against that because we picked up you know 50 people yeah. in this you know this area within this you know five square miles or whatever who had mental issues that's something we shouldn't be doing or we could be combating with as uban said earlier social workers so maybe this community from this simple data that we have of all of these issues with mentally challenged folks maybe we should allocate funds there for this just with that simple snapshot. But do you know why the reallocation of funds is hard to do? Because the police unions are so strong. Exactly. The police unions fight against it because the police unions, their purpose is to, quote unquote, win members better salaries and benefits and to protect their job security, specifically by pushing for safeguards against investigation, discipline and dismissal. Mm. Okay. So when, and, and the police, the police union is strong, stronger than their internal affairs, uh, departments. Those those two would technically be butting heads just based off of that. You know what I'm saying? And many say that they're stronger than the political cabinets within the cities and States. If you have a politician Many of them will fall in line with what the police asked for or the police unions asked for because they know that the police union controls their reelection. Right there. Um, I, I was reading a couple of articles where there were politicians and people in, you know, in political power locally that fell back because they feared for the safety of their family members. So if they bucked against the police union not you know they may not be in danger specifically but their brothers their sisters their nieces nephews the police would 
send PI, uh, private investigators out to go dig up information on the politician, to go dig up information on the members, to go stalk the members of their families, right? And some of them will find harm. You know, they do things to, to harm family members to send a message to politicians that they run. You know, you might be in office, but the police unions run this shit. Right. Right. I mean, that's why it's that's why it is when we talk about I specifically through the word out there, the divestment. That's exactly what what that is. Like there are political implications and there's ethical implications on one side of the fence. You know, it's like it's clearly you look at it. There's issues, ethical issues. But then just like you just said, politically, there's so much shit. You talk about backdoor deals, Uban, when we talk about sports, it's a thousand times worse with this shit. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this was also before we got on the show, we were kind of we were talking. I told you guys I was trying to look up some information on uh, on uh, something that that I felt was a great idea. And it was it's actually Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. So, um let me see. This is from KTLA. So I'm reading a report from KTLA and this was published five days ago. And it says Los Angeles City Council took its first step towards replacing police officers with social workers on nonviolent calls for service, voting unanimously Tuesday to develop a model for unarmed crisis response. It's not brain surgery. How the fuck did it take everything that's transpired in 2020 for them to realize that this is a real thing? Like. Hey, we're having issues with police going out and seeing people that may or may not have uh, mental issues. Right. And it ends violently at times because the police, by their own admission, are doing more than what the scope of their job duty is. They are not social workers. They are not um, psychiatrists. You know what I'm saying? And you're asking them to go out there and and on the spot, identify somebody. OK, this person has a mental health issue. They're struggling to do that because if you're a police officer, I guess, you know, I don't I've never been trained to be a police officer. But I would I I would I would assume that you're taught to go out and you're taught to, you know, look around, find your surroundings, look at your surroundings and look for danger. Right. When you're out there. And you want to eliminate danger. So if you see somebody with a mental health issue, someone that a social worker or somebody that's in psychiatry, somebody that, you know, that works with, you know, with the state, works with the county, works with the city. Can I can literally eyeball and I and address or you know, identify certain mental health issues, you know, without even thinking twice. Yeah. And you go out there and you can't identify those things. Now you have identified a threat where there is none. Mm -hmm. Right. So, I mean, that's a huge step for Los Angeles, and I'm glad that it was um, it's one of the bigger cities in the country, because typically if a big city does something and if it works, the smaller cities, the smaller jurisdictions, the smaller areas typically follow. Mm -hmm. But like that's like now you you, you remember you're just as as DP was saying, you're just divesting, reallocating. So now the money is still going, taxpayer money is still being paid, mm -hmm. but you're using it the right way. And all we're asking for is, bro, I don't want to see a situation where you got a homeless dude that's doing some, some meaningless bullshit that you get called out for 
and somehow he dies right because you didn't know how to handle the situation right right and i mean to your point man i was reading this um it was a time magazine article um and it was about uh places in the world that don't have th- their police forces don't carry guns and it kept um using norway as an example and it even said like you know it's it's in some ways unfair to compare the us to norway because on so many levels you know there's differences whether it be you know poverty home like you were just saying like homelessness crime all of that kind of stuff so on every level it may it, it may be may not be a fair comparison but at the same time it's striking like i think it was last year over a thousand deaths um at the hands of police officers while norway had zero like that's that's crazy Mm -hmm. in a calendar year you look at that over a thousand versus zero um while it may be unfair to compare the two in some ways i think there are some you know things that you should look at and kind of pull um some information from that particular article also said that police just to get the position of a of a police officer it's considered like an elite position so only i think about 14 percent of the people who apply are actually they actually become a police officer because it's that hard to do the training is that hard they invest money in their training so they're better prepared for dealing with people and and that's one thing that you really got to look at is the training for the officers here whether it be you know los angeles or new york or wherever just here in the u.s period you got to look at the training because that is basically where you're instilling the values of your officers who are running the streets i agree the um so one of the things i and, and i know we we're talking about defunding um one of the things I want to uh, example I want to give you is the city of Camden in New Jersey. Camden, New Jersey, was uh, one of the murder capitals of the United States in 2012. They had a rate of 87 murders per 100,000 residents, which was ranked fifth nationwide. That was in 2012. However, in 2013, the Camden Council approved that. That, that the police department be eliminated. So they actually took it a step further. They didn't defund. They abolished the police department and they established a new one under county control. And the cops that were there, they were laid off and they had to reapply with the county under um, under a far less generous union contract and lower pay. And I know you touched on that, Ubang, because the unions with the police department are tough and they and they really back them so and, and this and, and this was an article i read this was in bloomberg.com this was bloomberg.com where i read this um and this was back in uh january of 2018 now i will tell you in 2017 um camden because one would ask well how was crime once you abolish a police department you start a new one well in 2017 their murder rate had went down and it was the lowest that it had been since the 80s. So, you know, by by doing that and setting it up, yeah, they reinvested in the people. They gave the police less power and, you know, things have started to change. I also read in that article, they said that data showed that um, nine out of 10 calls 
are nonviolent calls. So this goes back to the point that you all are making. Both of you said it, that, you know, the, the problem is it, it's not even really a problem. It's that the police aren't trained and equipped to deal with the 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 people in the community in these different areas. Right. Exactly. So they go in to a nonviolent call. Right. They go into a situation that is quote unquote nonviolent. And what they automatically do is they start identifying potential threats. Yeah. And then it turns from a nonviolent call to arrests being made, to people being injured, to uh, people being killed. Right. Like, you know, it, it, it's, it's just it's, it doesn't make sense. And the funny thing is, I'm, I, while I'm still reading this article, um, it says that they started this um, in Eugene or in Eugene, Oregon, this um, um, this thing called cahoots. And I guess it's called crisis assistance helping out on the streets, right? It's community policing. And it's actually, um, it's a partnership that's been in place in Eugene, Oregon since 1989. So they took the, so LA, LA took their lead from Eugene, Oregon, something that's been in place since 1989 in Eugene, Oregon. And it says that um, Cahoots, this program in Eugene, handles 20% of local 911 calls, resulting in an annual savings of more than $15 million. And then it would it the, the article goes on to further say that the police union, the police union has been discussing this idea for a long, a quote unquote long time. <laughs> Bitch, stop lying. I took a long, hard 30 minute thought <laughs> process behind this and decided it wasn't worthwhile. <laughs> because here's the here's the problem. And here's the thing that people are pissed off about. A lot of police work um is paperwork Mm -hmm. right so you increase these budgets by so and and don't get it twisted police i'm i'm pretty sure and i wish we had a police officer on here but i'm pretty sure they have a quota that they have to meet every month as far as hey you have to write x amount of tickets you have to have x amount of you know interactions because I don't even and know. I, and, I don't even know if a police officer would admit to us, though. They probably yeah. like, no, no, no. Quota, quota, no, no, no. We're like, here to protect here, and serve. And, <laughs> and, and and technically, the the quota, you know, the quota would would likely be so that you can make sure that your police officers aren't just fucking off. Like, hey, man, you know, I come out here, I collect a check. I, you know, I'm in the shade drinking beer and staying out the way for eight, 10 hours. And I just go back. And so, you you know, you want to make sure that they're actually doing real police work. That's part of it. But then the other part is, is you got these jails and these prisons and these private, these, these prisons are privatized and right. they're not going to themselves. We got to put people in and lock them up so that we can make money and, and get labor out of them as well. So here's the funny part. So what what ends up happening is they go and they respond to these calls. And a lot of times they get people with mental health issues and homeless people and they bring them in on bullshit charges and just to get them locked up. So now your quota, whatever your quota is, you're filling your quota by getting these people that, you know, nine times out of 10, you're just going to book them. They stay in jail for a day or two and they're going to be right back on the street. You know what I'm saying? And you're going to go back and see his ass next week and do it all over again. Like it's all a it's all a numbers game. So you but you I, w- I was um I was reading something um 
from oh gosh it was a it was a, an attorney that was that was talking about how when they go into when these public defenders go into court and they see um these arrests and especially people that you know like bullshit charges that it typically happens during the last hour of a police officer's shift because they know that you know if you do that arrest you're going to get the overtime and your overtime is just going to be you doing what paperwork paperwork you just booking a person doing all the paperwork you just got booked you an extra three four hours for doing nothing just you know all the, the booking you have to do bringing somebody to the jail and, and when you bring somebody to the jail somebody else when you if, if you ever been booked or got arrested the police officer is just there making sure that everything goes right all they doing is shooting the shit they're shooting the shit with their with Everybody else they know from the you know from the local county jail or whatever. While you're getting fingerprinted, you know why they taking your picture. While they're doing X, Y, and Z, the police officers collecting money, and all they're doing is sitting there talking shit on their phone, fucking around, getting paid, getting paid to do it. Yeah. So every year, I I'm pretty sure that just based on that alone, every year the police budget can just go higher and higher and higher and higher and higher and higher right yet and still the um the lapd said that the police were forced to do more than they were than they were equipped to do because the budget for social work had been cut (laughs) wow they're doing more because you have already you're taking money away from the social workers you're taking money away from the schools you're doing it wrong mm-hmm. the shit is the equation is backwards instead of divesting money and putting it into social work uh youth programs education health care you're, you're taking that money you're cutting money out of those those different uh departments and you're putting it into the police department it took the world's worst six months from uh, not even six months what from march through july for you guys to figure out wow we might be doing something wrong it's it's crazy because everything you're saying this was on the wire i was thinking about the wire the whole time yeah yeah even down to the divesting of funds because it 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 focuses on the school yeah you know the, the children don't have books and that's something that's really going on in our community. Um, DP, we we did we had a discussion in in college in our class in our sociology class where some of the children or some of the students were saying that they've had computers since kindergarten and first grade. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So so check this out. That takes me back to thinking about what did I start off with when we opened the episode? Jim Crow, right? Mm-hmm. We talked about laws and stuff that are instituted that were a result of Jim Crow. They were Jim Crow laws. Part of those laws were tied to education, where it was yeah. it was by law you would have two separate institutions that would teach white folks and then those that would teach black folks. Written in written in the law. So I mean, if you're gonna tell me that this isn't it wasn't perpetuated from those times till now that the uneven playing field and the, you know, the misallocation of resources, educationally speaking in schools and stuff, while we're talking about that, that misallocation of resources, you're going to tell me that that has no ties to Jim Crow. Absolutely does. Absolutely. I mean, when you talk about the separate facilities, Plessy versus Ferguson, um, do you guys know about Ferris state in Michigan where they have the museum no. of Jim, the Jim Crow museum? 
No. Okay. No, no. They got a museum out there, right? And there's there's this guy. Um, what is his name? It's uh, it's David 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 Pilgrim. David Pilgrim. He's a curator for the museum. So basically, they just pick up a bunch of racist shit and they they keep it in the museum out there. And they and they say this is a way to teach people what's wrong and what's right about the whole situation it's they use those artifacts to teach people about racism right so the the guy david pilgrim he was on cnn before uh they interviewed him recently i think uh last month he was he was interviewed but they were asking him some things about the museum and then he made a comment about you know these statues well motherfuckers have been tearing down statues across the nation or calling for them to be torn down across the nation and changing names on colleges and uh, buildings Correct. and stuff like that. It's been it's been going on. as Ubang outside of outside of our podcast conversation says what pressure, the pressure, <laughs> the pressure is on. So yep. Yep. so this guy who's the curator of this Jim Crow museum at Fair State University, um, he is saying that a the statues can be used for teaching purposes but where they stand now he he doesn't necessarily agree that where they stand now and how they're viewed now as monuments across the u.s he thinks that's teaching the wrong message that's teaching the wrong things but if it were in let's say his museum jim crow museum they would be using that to teach a different kind of message um but this Jim Crow, this, this so fair back to Fair State University, they're the ones who, I, when I was looking at this stuff, just kind of doing a little bit of research, they have a list of like the Jim Crow laws and they break it down by state. And when you started talking about the schools and stuff, that just kind of triggered, um, triggered that in my mind. What the you know how what they listed it goes all the way from inter uh, marriages, what it was called, so interracial marriages, whites marrying you know, blacks or what they say, Mongolian or Hindu or whatever in Arizona against the law, Florida education, the schools for white children and the schools for black children shall be conducted separately in Florida. This, that's based on Jim Crow. Go to Georgia. You have in restaurants, all persons licensed to conduct a restaurant shall serve either white, white people exclusively or black people exclusively and shall not sell the two races within the same room or serve the two races anywhere under the same license. That's separation. I mean, th these aren't these aren't secrets, man. They, I mean, you know, the Kentucky reform schools, the children of white and black races or they say colored races should be committed to the houses of reform shall be kept entirely separate from each other in Kentucky. That's reform. So you can look at the you can look at juveniles in the jail system and they're separating whites and blacks in the jail system and obviously giving white folks some different kind of reform than they're giving black people. Yeah. It's Jim Crow. Is yep, Jim yep, Crow yep. dead? No. It's alive and kicking. You want to hear something interesting? Ah, let me get you know. I'm on I'm on stats today, man. Uh, <laughs> you know, and it's not it's not me ragging on the police, man. But fuck them because they've been they've been on bullshit my whole life. So um, it says that people that are in favor of defunding the police point out that police departments across the country consistently have low rates of solving crimes, even as their budgets have increased threefold in the past forty years. For instance, in 2019, 
In Minneapolis, police only cleared 56% of cases in which a person was killed. That same year in Baltimore, uh, they recorded at least 347 homicides, a record-breaking level of violence, but ended the year with a 32% clearance rate for homicides. Hmm. In, in 2015, that same rate was 56%. So 56%. So keep in mind, the budget's increasing, but in 2019... The clearance rate is dropping. Drastically, okay? All right? That's one. Um, rape victims. So across the country, rape cases result in notoriously low numbers of charges. In 2017, police closed just 32% of rape cases, and hundreds of thousands of rape kits sat untested in police storage and some of them are still sitting there to this day, right? Oh, it gets deeper though. So according to the FBI, according to an FBI database, about 30% of robberies and less than 15% of burglaries and motor vehicle thefts result in arrests. And then it comes to black people. Mm. When police investigate a crime involving a black victim, evidence shows that the clearance rate drops significantly. All right, a 2014 New York Daily News investigation found that Police solved about 80, 86% of homicides when the victim was white. When the victim was black, the clearance rate dropped to 45%. Wow. And then they wonder why a big black man like myself would jump out there and say, fuck the police. It's because if you come from where I come from, like, it's hard to look at the police and see an ally. It's hard to look at somebody that's had that has your best interest at heart. You know what I'm saying? Like they're scared. Like if you guys really want to police, you, you're getting paid more money. You're taking up more of the budget, but it seems like you're doing less and less. Like where's the real police work that's being done? Right. You know what I'm saying? But don't get it twisted. They'll bring you in on some bullshit. Mm -hmm. They'll get, they will arrest you on some bullshit. And guess what happens when they arrest you on the bullshit? They arrest you on the bullshit. You're too poor. You know what I'm saying? Low income family, low income background. You're a, uh, you can't afford to get a high-powered attorney, so you go with a public defender. That public defender probably has more of a caseload than they should even have. They cannot give you their full attention because they probably have 15 more people just like you that they have to help that day, right? Mm -hmm. They're getting a case on their desk, and you need, to go, you need to go to court for this, like, tomorrow on top of everything else that you have. So they're not trying to get you the best deal. They're just trying to get you a deal, move on to the next case. If you had the money to get a true um, lawyer, that lawyer, let's say you're facing a felony, that lawyer probably has relationships within the court that can get you a deal and get that felony removed, right? Get it pleaded down to something else, uh, a citation or a misdemeanor at worst. You still have a clean record. That public defender, their job is more so like, can I avoid, can I get this person, you know, no jail time? We'll take the felony, but uh, let's just, can we get the felony, but just maybe 12 months on probation and they have a felony on their record, you know, but they avoid jail time. And in the public defender's eyes, that's a good case. So now what happens? You're a felon now. Now yeah. you can't go get that good job. Now you can't go get a job. What what are you relegated to? You're relegated to either being a barber, um, being somebody that works and gets paid under the table or actually committing yourself to the streets and doing the stuff that the police claim, you know, that 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 they're trying to get rid of. But remember, it started with the police making that bullshit arrest to to make their quota. 
which you know we they say is not a is not a real thing or you know just to to get some you know just to get a number up because they believe me they don't give a fuck because if they did if they brought people into the force that actually care you can see what's going on with a kid that might have a good head on their shoulders and you can you can you can do things to prevent them from you know from fucking their situation up I'll, I'll use myself as an example i got a, this is a, a true story freshman year in college me and a couple of my boys um you know because you've ever been at if you've ever been um to a black college it's it's more a lot of them are very strict so it's like mm-hmm. an extension of high school right so yes. we're in shout out shout out to alabama state university i did attend there for a year yeah <laughs> absolutely absolutely so we're in Durham, North Carolina, North Carolina Central. I make no bones about it. I went to North Carolina Central, graduated from there. Um, and this, we share a city with Duke University, right? Now, mm-hmm. at North Carolina Central, there's, you know, the very strict. You can't drink on campus. You can't smoke weed on campus. You know, and they have campus police that police that shit like they're the city police. Like, they are really strict. We used to have a dude named Jake, and he was a beast. He was a black Jake, big dude. If you if you were smoking or you were drinking illegally on campus, somehow he found out and he would be there. So what kids would do, a lot of kids would do, they get with somebody that has a car, they go off campus, right? So mm-hmm. here I am, I'm a freshman in college. Me and a couple of my boys, we go off campus to go smoke, right? I'm smoking weed at the time. So um, we go to a park and it's after hours, but we, you know, we went there a few times. It was no smoke, nothing. We, so we, we, we're smoking police roll up, roll into the parking lot. We're like, Oh shit. So we hide the weed. The police comes up. It's a black lady, black lady's the police officer. We're like, okay, cool. We're, we're good to go. <sighs> no, we were not good to go. <laughs> they could not find the weed anywhere but the person that was um, rolling the weed they you know they this is back when you know you still had sticks and stems in the weed so like they had dropped the sticks and stems like outside of the the driver's side window so she identifies the sticks and stems on the ground and was like okay cool well there you go like that's possession of marijuana we found the sticks and stems on the outside and we're sitting there in the car like what she's like hey each and every single one of you guys have that case like you guys are all getting misdemeanor charges for, for having weed less than an ounce wow well, i could have had a half an ounce i could have had just a gram less than an ounce and it would it carried the same charge as what i got charged with because she found sticks and stems outside of that um outside of that car keep in mind so it's four of us in the car three of us are college students we show our college id mm. We're black, all four of us black, being addressed by a black woman who sees that we are all college. Three out of 75 percent of us are college students. Me as a police officer dealing with kids that are probably like 18, seven, somewhere between 17 and 19. College students, so they mean well. Yeah. And all I have is sticks and stems. No way in good conscience can I put a charge on you. No way. There's no way in good conscience that's crazy there's no way i can go to sleep knowing that i charged you guys all four of you guys with a misdemeanor over some bullshit but being black in america that is the reality like that is a story like that is a true story that should happen to me to me you know you know what's crazier with than that is the fact that after she did that 
she had to go and do the paperwork. Exactly. Behind it. Yeah. It's it's crazy. She charged four young men with possession of weed less than an ounce over sticks. We probably put together, we probably, all four of us combined probably put together $10 in total to get to where we were. You know what I mean? Like we put together $10 to probably get a, 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 a nick, to get a nickel of some weed and some rolling paper to be in that situation. And we all walked out of that park with a misdemeanor. But you know what, man? It's like just that story tells me, and this is this is there's probably so many people sitting listening who can say, yeah, some shit like that happened to me, too. That tells you that that particular officer and there's probably officers who share the same sentiment as her. She did not care about y'all's future. She did not think about y'all's future. She was she was conditioned to get people like y'all into some shit some sticks and stems man like come on come yeah. on and y'all y'all yeah. shared the same y'all shared the same city with duke i bet you you know you catch a group of white kids and 75 percent of them you know three out of four duke students they not same things not happening duke university a private institution was holding cannabis rallies on campus <laughs> where people were demonstrating on the rights for legalizing uh, marijuana. And this is back in uh, 2000. This is the year 2000. I I graduated high school. So it it was between the year 99 and and 1999 and year 2000. So just remember that while this was going on at Duke private institution, where if, you know, if you went to Duke, and you were on campus for a college party, which, you know, fraternities and sororities would would often hold. You can see a kid walking on campus with a 12 pack sitting on campus, drinking a beer at with no regard for being arrested, being uh, having their rights infringed on. And they would hold cannabis rallies on campus where kids would um, would use their First Amendment rights to try and advocate legalizing marijuana on the in, in the same city, Durham, North Carolina. If you're a black kid that went to the black university, you were held to a higher standard by campus police, not just the city police, campus police as well. So you could get kicked off campus. You could get kicked out of school for drinking on campus, smoking on campus. You know what I'm saying? It's a double standard there. So let me ask then, because, you know, we're we're talking about that being a matter of her her training and what she was conditioned to do, clearly. So just bringing it back a little bit to some numbers, you threw out the budget information about, I think you used uh, L.A. and New York earlier. So let's look at L.A. So L.A., $1.86 billion for the police. The citywide uh, is 10.5. So the budget for the police department for LAPD accounts for roughly 18% of the entire budget. That's a that's a pretty nice chunk. So they've already, the, the city council is already saying that they're slashing 150 million from that budget. I'm assuming for the purposes of divesting or re- reallocating or whatever we've been saying. What? Where do you start first? Like um, when you're looking at this process to defund or whatever you whatever you say should be 
the method of breaking this shit down, where do you start? Like, if you just take that $150 million, like, that's that's great. But where are you taking it from? And then what are you going to do with it? So where do you actually start your examination when you're deciding, okay, I'm going to take this amount of money to do this? So you have to look at the police department first, right? Where do you start there and and why? One of the things that both of y'all said, and, and I thought about it, is you get all these 911 calls and you find out the reasons behind the 911 calls so you know in different parts of LA you know what you're getting the calls for downtown you were dealing with homeless people um or you could be dealing with people that are mentally ill so for that particular area you um you re- you reallocate those funds for mental health and to help fight homelessness but it would i think that it should be based on um what the communities are dealing with and a lot of the calls that you're getting um from from different areas that i believe that's a starting point and police have that information it's a man listen man we 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 three working class dudes with microphones right we don't fucking know that's the answer we don't fucking know where they need to start because you got smarter dudes than us that are in an office somewhere with bifocals and six tables worth of documents and stats that can break down exactly where the money needs to go like you're paying somebody probably underpaying them to research and do all this stuff and it's like you guys don't know but we're supposed to know right that's part like, of I, that's part of the reason why I'm asking y'all the question. And I'm glad you said that because I look at it, you know, back back to the numbers. If you take 150 million off of what 1.8 billion, that's what eight eight percent, somewhere around there, eight percent. So you could tell somebody, you could throw numbers at somebody, oh, they took 150 million and, and slashed that out of the budget. Is that is that just a smoke screen? Definitely. Because we don't know. We don't we don't know what you're using it for. There's no there's no there they are numbers. There's no there's no real concrete like breakdown behind it. You know what I'm saying? Uban, you're you're an insurance dude. If somebody gives you a if somebody gives you an application and says, Hey man, my house is worth four hundred and fifty thousand dollars, you know, that's the replacement cost for it, you're gonna be like, Okay, great. Now show me the valuation report. Show me right. what's behind it that tells me that your house is worth $450,000. Okay, show me what you're doing with $150 million and why you decided to take $150 million and exactly where you're taking it from. Like, where is the valuation behind all of these numbers? Where is the, we talked about meaning in the beginning. So we, we could break down a definition of what defund is and divest and uh, reallocate and all of that misappropriate and marginalized and all of that shit. You know, we could break all of that shit down. What it what are the facts behind this money, though? What's what's the real behind the money and what are the reasons behind where the shit is being taken from? Yeah, we don't know. But again, is this just a bullshit ass smokescreen? Like, hey, we took 150 million. Settle down, folks. 
Yeah. And 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 the and the funny thing is, um, when you, when you talk about you know the money that or the programs that are being cut, right? Social work, um, education. You know, my wife works and she left retail pharmacy and she went to um, psychiatric pharma pharmaceuticals, and the stuff that she deals with on a regular basis. You know, she has come home and had to have conversations with people where she talked them off the ledge. She didn't have a gun, you know, where she, she had people, family members of clients and patients of hers that have said like, thank you. You saved this person's life today. This person was having suicidal thoughts. This person had homicidal thoughts, you know, thinking about killing their family members, friends, strangers, and just being able to talk to a professional that could that could unarm them verbally helped out but you're taking money away from these programs you're making it harder on these people these are the people that are on the front line on in regards to a lot of a lot of you know um things that we deal that the police can't deal with and i you know obviously i'm not going to you know divulge like you know where she works or who she works for or whatever but the funding is ridiculous. Some of the conditions are ridiculous. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Meanwhile, you know, you're upgrading the police, the police uh, body armor. You know what I'm saying? And they're getting better weapons. And they're like the, the money that's going into funding the police is like. It's not just their salaries, like you have their salaries, you know, their pensions are great. You have, um, but it's the training. They're getting more tactical training. They're getting more uh, weapons. They're getting more body armor. You know what I'm saying? And we know that the camera shit isn't working because they have the, and that's the funny thing about the police. They have the wherewithal. You tell me that they get, they find themselves in a tense situation and they have split seconds to make certain decisions that are life and death decisions for citizens, right? For the people mm-hmm. that pay them, for the for the taxpayers that pay them, but they still, within that split second, have the wherewithal to turn off the body cam. Mm. Like you know what, I'm going into a life or death situation. Let me turn this damn body cam off just in case. But Uban, all of that shit that you listed—the weaponry, the armor, the tactical training—that's all shit that sounds like somebody is preparing to go to war. It doesn't sound yeah. like somebody who's trying to serve a community, protect and serve a community. That sounds like you are going in to go to war. Like, I'm going in because I'm about to kill some motherfuckers. Correct. And that that's a problem. So, it again, you know, de- defunding, I don't... I don't know if de- I'm going to say defunding is not going to solve that issue. Just straight up. Defunding is not going to solve that issue. What's going to happen is you already have an organization that has certain a certain mentality rooted in its, you know, its existence, period. Um, you take away money and they're going to be turning their nose up at you like, oh, well, you took away money. OK, well, you know, public enemy told you 911 is a joke. See how long it takes me to get to you now. You got right. you guys took away money. Oh, that 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 10 minutes it takes me to get there now turns into 20, 25. 
Oh, where where is it? Oh, L.A. Uh, no. What block? Oh, Normandy and what? No. We'll we'll be there in about thirty minutes. DP. They already do that. No, I'm saying, I'm saying, the time that you think that the time that they take to get there now, multiply that by two. Right. See, see if they even show up in some cases now that we're defunded. Oh, we're defunded. We didn't have anybody to send over there. Our budget was cut. Yeah, our budget was cut. We can't, we can't, we can't tend to that. I'm sorry. Watch, watch. Did any of you see the proposal um, from Ice Cube about the the changes regarding policing in America? He put it on Twitter. Um, Some of the things he said, he was like the mandatory dashboard and body cams. In the event that they're turned off and the incident results in a serious injury or death to any specific uh, to any suspect or witness, it will be considered a felony punishable by prison. Police Um, will allow it. uh, Yeah, no, I, I hear you. I'm just saying there were but there was a list of things that Ice Cube put out. They're they're pretty interesting. Go so, ahead. You know, go ahead. Want... No, no, no. Give, give us some more. I want to know. Throw some more out there. Elimination of no-knock warrants. They are unnecessary as police can secure the scene. Um, Mandatory name tags and affiliation requirements applies to all police and law enforcement authorities at the local, state, and federal level with non-compliance resulting in disciplinary action. Um, undercover assignments not requiring compliance must be approved by a court. Chokeholds illegal nationwide. This will apply to any maneuver resembling a chokehold or designed to cut off airways to affect breathing. There are tons of people that have the same ideas. And you know what that shit is doing? They're all asking for the same thing. They're asking to put more responsibility on the officers to do their job correctly because they've been operating with such a blank canvas that yeah. you know you're 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 you can go in there and you can be Picasso today and Van Gogh tomorrow. It's like, oh man, you know what? I went to work today and shot me a motherfucker. Uh, you know that was Picasso today. Tomorrow. I accidentally kicked the motherfucker in the head. Van Gogh today. You know what I'm saying? It's just like you don't have they don't have to operate within like, you know, this this box. They they just because they have the union behind them, they can do whatever the fuck they want. They have the freedom to do whatever the fuck they want. And not only will they typically have no responsibility attached to that, they have no fear of losing the job. Yeah. Like I'll say this then on on the on the defunding topic, um, I have a friend who works with uh, the city council and has you know uh, dealings on that on the political side of the game and stuff like that. And I had a conversation with her about defunding the police. And one thing she she said and she made a good point was um, there needs to be transparency. And in that, she just meant like. I just want to see everything. I want to know all the shit that the police are doing, their rules, their regulations, where they're spending this money, where this is, where that is, where this goes, who's in charge of this, what are they being paid? Why did you spend money in this department? You know, why does this department get more than this one? All that. And then on the flip side, you know, just the city as well, where they're spending money, where and why, just transparency. And I think that's a big part of the game. The thing is, will you 
ever see that shit? Will you ever see the? Will you ever get the transparency that you're looking for? And just realistically speaking, I, I highly doubt. I highly doubt no, you won't. I highly doubt that there will be a disbandment of the police. Realistically speaking, defunding is this a realistic thing on a larger scale than just a you know ten million here and some millions there is is defunding the police something that's realistically going to happen i hope so just take the fucking take the threat away from them you know like if you work in a certain area motherfucker maybe one of the you know maybe one of the people that that are working with you as a police officer should have a social work background like I don't see that as out of the out of the you know like out of the ordinary. Maybe you have somebody with a social work background that is a police officer that is you know if you have two people that are on duty or that are partners, one person should have like a social work background and compensate that person more to incentivize somebody to get the training, right? And actually like a doctor have to or do a residency not just getting the getting a certificate that says like hey hey listen i went to bart's uh, <laughs> three-day class and now i'm a social worker like no motherfucker get the training do the residency so you actually have to sit there and work with families work with you know at risk um youth work with at risk adults you know um um well you know i tried it man out here in phoenix man i actually tried to be a police officer years ago years ago no nah, but what i'm saying is like there should be more training required to be a police officer and it should it should be different backgrounds there should be more diversity as far as what it takes to be on the force and then we can once you get in the force and we know that you have legitimate training we have continuing education requirements then we can justify paying you more because you bring more of a value to the company you bring more of a value to the city, the state, the county, whatever it is. So because you mentioned the social workers, having social workers and doctors working with police officers. I think that that's a great idea. Now, the social workers, are they actual social workers? Are they police officers with a background in social work? That's what I'm saying. I don't. Again, we just three niggas in the basement, man, with microphones. I, the, uh, all I can do is just just put an idea out there, no different than Ice Cube or no different than anybody else that's really just talking. I wouldn't mind. Listen, if if you are a social like if you have social work background or if you have, you know, a background with dealing with certain a certain sex segment of the population in a I'm talking about in an uh, an intense environment that means like up close and personal i've dealt with this shit i know certain signs i see certain things this person's a threat this person's not a threat this person's more of a threat to himself than us like and that can come in different ways but that you are more of you're more of an asset to the state you're more of an asset to the county you're more of a state to the city i mean more of an asset to the city than somebody just that just went to the force you know did however many weeks that is for the uh, police training academy mm -hmm. got a gun and a badge and said they're ready to go so 
if that means that every officer, every two officers needs to have somebody that has social work background or needs to, you know, have somebody that has uh, at at risk youth uh, interaction, that kind of background or whatever, depending on where you work, then maybe that's a, maybe that's a thing. I, I just I, I don't know, man. I, I don't know what the answers are, but the way they doing it and the way they have been doing it, man, it's killing us. That shit ain't working for us. It's making a it's making a community that's already fucked up because of years of oppression that led to to taught self hate. Right? They taught us to hate ourselves. Um, they taught us to fight against each other, and then you bring the police in here to try and like like Cont- y'all not doing contain that. that shit. Exactly. That's what it was. Contain that shit in certain areas. They taught us, you know. We inherited all these bad thought processes and we're taught these things and whatever. And we haven't broken certain chains um, and they were taught to contain that shit. And that's that's I'm just going to say this. And Kevin, I know you've been waiting to th- to, to jump in. I'm just going to say this. Ubang, that is a great point that you just brought up with the fact that, you know, we, we have this the self-hate and these things about us that are going on in, in the community. And then the fact that you have the police, again, brought in to contain that shit. That in itself is another reason why I believe that any of this disbandment talk, you can forget it because the authorities that be, the system is controlled, as we have continuously talked about. You already know that white folks control this situation. They will not let the lid off of this shit containment in their eyes needs to remain and the police force is probably the biggest push for that mm-hmm. uh, outside of out, outside of the the legislation obviously but i'm talking about the physical like physically making sure shit don't get yeah. out of hand and out of control yes. they want to make sure that the police force continues to do that shit so absolutely disbandment i don't know never one of the, the question that you asked when you were talking about transparency between um the community and the police force and seeing how the funds are allocated there will never be transparency um and there will i don't see both sides i don't see either side coming to coming to terms or agreeing on how the money is distributed because uh, you, you said that your friend was saying that they want to see the ways that funds are distributed throughout the police department. You can see how the money is distributed, but that doesn't mean that you agree to the way that the money is distributed. Same thing with the community. You can see the way that the money is distributed, but that doesn't necessarily mean you agree on the way that the money is distributed. But that's part of so her point, though. So no, I'm just saying, so therein lies the problem. You can question, well, why did you need $50 million for weapons training? And then the police will say, well, we got new weapons. So we have to train the staff and train everybody in how to use these new military style weapons. <laughs> yeah, but Kevin, once you get past it, once you get past the transparency, though, that's the thing. She's saying, if you don't know 
that they spent money on military weapons or whatever. You have no clue. It's not a matter of saying, oh, why did you spend this? No, it's like, you spent this here. Give me a valid reason why it's necessary for XYZ to happen. You can do you can control this or do this without this large amount of money. This can be allocated to do this, 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 and that. Or some alternatives that will serve the same purpose. But if you have no transparency, you can't even ask the question. I can't even ask you about military weapons if I don't know that you bought the motherfuckers. Uh, no, I understand that, but I'm saying even when you find out and you don't agree, I think that that's even more in- infuriating. But that's like, where the that's where the action comes, though. That's where you take the action. It's transparency to know where the shit is. Then you act on saying these are the actions that need to be taken based on what I'm seeing. So this is this is going to be an ongoing hot topic to defund or to abolish. Um, and I, you know. I, I'm with the defund as well, with defunding the police department as well. Let me start by saying that. I I agree with that. But there needs to be alternatives to continuously help the community. And as long as we're helping the community, then we don't need as much policing within the community. And it's a win for everybody across the board. I don't think the abolishing of the police department is getting is like, I don't think that's a big, I don't think, I think a large segment of the population is for defunding. I just haven't heard that big of a, you know, maybe you hear like it's a one-off, like. Remember in Minnesota, they were saying that. Remember that woman. Yeah, there's some people who think defunding is just the start of getting rid of the motherfucker altogether. She went so far as to say, are you when she pulled the mate when she was talking to the mayor, she said, are you going to abolish the police department? Right. It, but, but my thing is the the people that the, the outside of Minnesota, mm-hmm. the people that are most afraid of defunding the police turning into abolishing the police are the police right but i don't think that outside of minnesota there's been a huge uproar um asking for abolishment of the police but you can understand why minnesota would would be asking for the the biggest change in the police because they were the they were the hot spot that started this whole thing like they were the they were the flashpoint of the entire movement so yes they're going to have greater demands than anybody else outside of Minnesota because th- they literally the movement started there so there's more passion right there they were they're probably still protesting. We're just not getting it on TV every day. They're probably still lining up by the thousands, walking the streets and asking for shit. You get what I'm saying? You, you know what? I But I do want to I, I I disagree. The reason I disagree, I'm going to say we, we don't know the numbers. What we do know is, is that Camden abolished the police department. So I can't say that there aren't other places we I, I just can't i don't have all that information but i do have one place that has already did it and it's been successful since they've done it so others i would say that other cities and other people are looking at camden as a blueprint like okay this is what can happen if we abolish a police department 
did they truly abolish or did they reform? Because when you said it earlier, and I read that story, I read that story, um, and they say that you know they still have crime, and it's you know it's not like it solved all crime, but did they ultimately abolish the police force or did they truly just reform the police force? Because you said they had to reapply. So like the police, they got laid off, still reapplied mm-hmm. positions as police officers, but with not as strong a union to back them up. Right. So they just, did they abolish the police force or did they reform the police force? They, ref- I would say reform. However, I would say it's, but it was a lot more in depth than just regular the, the 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 regular defunding situation. But that's what I'm saying. So at the end of the day, abolishing the police department, no matter how bad you try and you know whoever may think that it's a, a it's necessary, you didn't really abolish the police department. You just reformed it. So you still need police. Anybody that says we need to do away with police. You can't believe that because there are real like at the end of the day, there are people that are just bad people. Yeah. Or as as 45 will call them some bad hombres. But and you need police for those people. Like I I know people that are just career criminals. Like I don't give a fuck. Kumbaya handshakes and everybody's drinking together and having fun together and all that other shit. While y'all doing that, I'm robbing the bank. Yeah, I mean, listen, when I started off with with the with the verses or the the snippets from songs in the beginning, uh KRS-One, um, you know, sound of the police where he's like cuz you won't even think about looking at the real criminal. There are real criminals out there. Not me. Right, right. Not not some kids who drop some sticks and stems, you know, outside of a car. Right. Like the real people out here that that's doing the real shit the real criminal activity that's who you go after so you're right there there's some real people out here doing real bad shit and we need a police department for that but it's it's, you just gotta clean the shit up man like every everyday folks trying to do do right i mean it's too many it's too many instances of those people being targeted by the police yeah bad policing up y'all don't forget to follow us on ig twitter and facebook at two peas and a bong that is the number two w-o-p-e-e-z-a-n-d-a-b-o-n-g two peas and a bong that's our handle on ig twitter and facebook y'all thanks for rocking with us we'll catch y'all on the next one